Hello and welcome to our podcast, What Makes Them Tip? Innovations that change everything, where we hear from business leaders and entrepreneurs about the moment, insight, or inspiration that made everything possible and ultimately pushed them over the tipping point. I'm Mike Strada, founder and CEO of Arcalea, where we inspire business change by introducing data science, formal analytics, and provide implementation from marketing. Moneyball for growth-oriented businesses, we say success is now a science. Stay with us, and at the end of the show, we'll share how you can be the next guest on one of the fastest-growing podcasts in the industry. And with that, let's get started. Hello, and welcome to What Makes Them Tip, innovations that changed everything. I'm Jeff, and once again, I have the privilege to talk to amazing people who are really innovating in their particular entrepreneurial space, and we get to hear their stories. Well, today, we welcome an entrepreneur who has gone from successful portfolio manager and analyst in the financial field to CEO and owner of the Naples, Florida location of managed service provider, TeamLogic IT. Say hello to Scott Daniels. Hi, Scott. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Welcome to the show. Thank you. And I know we just uh, we just discussed before we, we kind of started recording that uh, you're enjoying some fine weather down there in Naples while I'm sitting here in the snow in Cleveland. But uh, um, we're going to, you know, I'm going to try not to. I'm glad you have the blinds closed behind you. Let me just <laughs> say that much because that would be too much for me to see the, the beautiful weather you guys are experiencing there. But uh, tell us a little bit about uh, Team Logic IT. What do they do? Yeah, so Team Logic is what you call a managed service provider. And managed service providers probably uh, gained more popularity in Europe before in the U.S. And what it is, is a managed service provider is someone who you outsource all your IT infrastructure to manage. Mm. And in Europe, uh, for example, very large companies like Morgan Stanley or Goldman Sachs will use managed service providers to manage all their technology. And the way, the reason why it works is kind of a simple, a simple truth, which is it's very hard to find IT people and it's very hard to retain and motivate IT people. Mm. So it's a much better model if you can have a team that can manage multiple companies and kind of have best practices. So you can manage multiple companies and, um, that's kind of the way the world has been going. I think in the U.S., um, one of the things that you see is um, it used to be you know larger companies, and then as technology got into probably smaller and smaller companies, uh, they also need people to help them manage the technology. Whereas before, it was really just the larger companies. So. Lots of companies in the U.S. between kind of the sizes of, let's say, 10 people up to 100 uh, have a lot of challenges kind of with their technology, managing their technology, hiring people, um, and all the problems that you kind of hear about in the, in the news, whether it's, you know, ransomware viruses or just, you know, what's, what's how to use collaboration software. And so a lot of the a lot of the technologies have been pushed down, down, down to smaller companies and they still have to be managed. And I think even as uh, companies move to the cloud, which a lot of companies are doing, I think there's the misperception that the cloud does not have to be managed, that somehow you just put everything there 
and the software just works. And so it doesn't just work. And so companies like ours will, um, it, it, it's kind of a trade-off. So instead of hiring someone internally for about a third of the money, you can really um, have someone who can provide both strategy and kind of manage your infrastructure. And so managed service providers have become uh, a big growing space in the United States. Yeah. And tell me, the, the, what are the extent of the services that you guys offer? So, is, I mean, obviously cloud-based stuff uh, you're managing, but does it come down to even on-site occasion? Like if we need to deploy new machines, like what all do you guys do? Yeah. So good question. Uh, I would say 99% of what we do can be done remotely. So very often there's a problem and it always can be done remotely in terms of fixing things. Mm-hmm. The only time we have to go on site is when we're installing, you know, potentially installing new, uh, you know, a new machine, installing a server on premise. Sometimes someone wants a whole new phone system. Uh, if it's a firewall and it needs to be configured or uh, we had a case recently where uh, a contractor went into a building and accidentally shut off all the power for the building and everything had to be booted up, including, you know, 20 servers and things like that. Oh, so wow. as those came back up, you needed someone there kind of watching it. But on a, I would say on a daily basis, um, everything gets done remotely. I'd say one of the, um, one of the things that has been uh, a big driver, not surprisingly, is people using more and more wireless technology. Mm-hmm. And so they're realizing that their wireless isn't strong enough. So they have to have stronger access points. Um, I actually just had a lunch today with a, uh, one of our customers is a long-term care facility and they had someone else install their wireless into the long-term care. And one of the guys was telling me, like, we didn't think like a 90 year old resident was going to be watching the stocks, also watching Netflix. And also, you know, they have a whole system that's wireless to manage, you know, everyone wears a bracelet in the facility so they can monitor them. And so the the wireless that they installed three years ago can't handle you know all the demands, and so um, so anyway we go on we go on site to uh, if we're going to install wireless or we have to do kind of a in some cases we do a heat map and see where wireless is weak and things like that. But wireless has been a big uh, has been a big driver um, and kind of an interesting driver for a lot of companies as well. Well, then let's rewind a little bit and talk about how you you came to get involved with this business because that's not you didn't start there, right? You started uh, doing yeah uh, yeah I, I i I did not have a uh, linear path. I would say I started <laughs> out um, after business school. I was a CFO of a few software companies. Um, so I started out in technology in terms of growing software companies. And then when I was on the, I went to the um, the investment side and I was investing in troubled software companies. So I stayed in software, except now I was investing in software companies that were troubled and I could see certain trends that were happening. And one of the, and then I, um, prior to this, I was on the board of a public company that was um, Carbonite, which we were getting into the MSP space. So I saw um, I saw that the the way people actually uh, use software was moving away from 
you know, buying it internally and trying to set it up themselves and really relying on these MSPs. And so all the software providers that want to get into kind of the SMB space and small, medium-sized business, they have to go through an MSP. So an MS, one MSP may have, you know, 100 customers and none of those customers are ever going to buy software, hardware directly. They're always going to go, they're going to just trust whatever their MSP says to do. Mm. And so that was a big uh, push for us at Carbonite. And so um, I knew, you know, I knew that the scale and the opportunity that MSPs were going to really manage, manage software and manage technology for all these companies. And about a year ago, this company was um, uh, the previous owner of this company basically um, in order to take this company to the next level, he would have had to kind of relocate and things like that. So I saw an opportunity um, with Team Logic here in Naples to uh, purchase the company and grow the company. And the one, um, I would say, the one interesting thing about this company um, and about Team Logic is Team Logic has. 200 locations all over the country. And so my customers are not only here, but we have customers all over the country and we use other team logics. If something has to go, if someone has to go on site to do something like you discussed, we can partner with a local team logic and they can do that piece of it, but we manage their network from here. So the company could be in you know North Dakota. We have companies in Scottsdale, Southern California, Northern California, Chicago, Colorado. And so we can manage their networks from here. And if someone does need to go on site, we call up kind of the local team logic and they'll go and fix whatever they have to fix. It's pretty rare that they have to do that. But the, you know, it's interesting because MSPs can be located anywhere. And Mm -hmm. so it really is um, kind of your sales process, you know, what kind of companies you're targeting. And there is, I'd say there's still the idea that your, you know, your MSP, you know, should it be local and things like that. But a lot of companies are managed, um, you know, a lot of companies are national and a national company will still have an MSP in one state, even though they're managing the whole network. Sure. You know, and so it's, it's interesting. And so it's a very scalable model. Yeah. Well, t- uh, so tell me a little bit about that process and how you guys go to market then, because it's, you say that you have you know customers that are spread out all over the place. How do you find those customers? So I would say um, we, no one ever kind of wakes up and says, um, you know, I want to use an MSP or whatever. Usually someone's firing someone else and something went wrong. <laughs> Sure. So you're usually contacted when there's pain. And mm-hmm. so we got contacted today, for example, we got contacted because a, you know, good size company, um, their, their current provider had installed stuff that is now breaking. They, um, they've grown and the, and their current provider can't, uh, can't provide services. You know, their, their employees are complaining um, they want to do, you know, they just did an acquisition. So they need someone who has more capabilities than their current provider. And so we, um, here we specialize a lot in companies that want to go to the cloud. We specialize a lot in collaboration 
and we cl- and we specialize a lot in strategy. And so there's there's you know different MSPs for different things. So some MSPs really just do kind of like break fix, but they're not doing any planning and they're not doing any strategy with the company. They're just basically if something breaks, they fix it. In our case, we do a lot of uh, strategy, and I think coming from a business background, we try to partner with the company and basically say, okay, you want to, you know, where do you want to be in a year? What are you doing with your business? And now let's figure out like what technology will fit that versus kind of just sitting there and waiting for, you know, something to break. And Mm -hmm. so, um, you know, like any business that's not for everyone. So we target, we try to target kind of probably in the SMB space, we try to target more of the, the medium I guess, or larger uh, companies that benefit from strategy and benefit from, you know, someone who can manage uh, a network of, you know, 20 up to 200 people is kind of our, you know, our range is probably 10 to 200. But once you get up to the the larger numbers, you have to do much more planning. And, and because when things go poorly, um, you don't want to be kind of in reactive mode. So you always want to be proactive, trying to anticipate things that can go wrong. And so um, so in terms of, and then to answer your question, so in terms of getting sales, obviously just with search, you know, people are looking for, you know, people may be looking for a provider, um, but also we put out a lot of content on different strategies that we're doing. We do a lot of collaboration stuff. So we'll put out, you know, thought pieces on collaboration. People will call us. Um, it's interesting because the current environment, um, there's really two leading collaboration platforms to either Slack or Teams. Mm-hmm. And so if you're a Microsoft, you know, oriented company, you can go to teams. A lot of companies don't even use it. They don't even know what it is. They don't know how to use it. And some companies we do training on teams and it's um, if you text on your phone, you know how to use teams. And so we do a teams training that like in an hour, a company may not need another training. Mm. So collaboration actually is a big focus of ours because first of all, it makes work more fun and people love to text and like to, you know, have emojis and this and that. And you can do that with teams. And a lot of companies during the pandemic have had to, you know, have certain people from home or someone, you know, got COVID or whatever. So collaboration has become uh, much more important for a lot of companies. Yeah. And I know a lot of, uh, a lot of entrepreneurs might be in a sim- similar situation where they, um, you know, have been in business for a while and, and an opportunity comes along, like, like you described, where you have this opportunity to purchase a business. Um, tell me a little bit about that process. Like, uh, you know, what's different between say starting your own business and purchasing one that's kind of already on the ground and rolling. I'm sure there's different things that are going on. So tell me about that purchase process for you and how that went. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple of things. I think you have to be honest with yourself of if you're good, you know, if you're the kind of person go from A to B, B to C or C to D, I think I'm better at B to C. And I also like, um, I like working with people. I like people. So when you purchase a business, um, you know, you're, I wouldn't say it's any easier or harder, but you're obviously you're working on 
trying to, in my case, I'm trying to probably double the company in terms of size over the next three years. And so I'm focused on growth and also focused on, you know, how do I leverage kind of my current client base and my current um, offerings to get that growth? Whereas, you know, if I had just started this, which, you know, you can do, you could buy a franchise, you're really, you know, you're really just every day, just trying to, you know, kind of the chicken and the egg, you're trying to get a customer, but with no services. And I've obviously I've, I've worked in software. So I've been in that scenario and I, I prefer to be kind of in the, probably the B to C or C to D phase than the A to B. And, um, you know, in terms of, you know, I did not, uh, I was not looking necessarily when I, I decided to buy a business, I wasn't necessarily looking for, um, an MSP. I was looking for a business that I thought, um, would have recurring revenue and I could grow basically based on my background. And so the process for me, because I had two other friends who did it is going through kind of the wild west in terms of uh, talking to brokers and you go through hundreds of companies that are terrible (laughs) in order to find one that you're even interested in talking to. And then you go through that company and then you look at their financials. And then when they start talking about, there's a lot of things that aren't in the financials and things like that, then you, you know, you rule those out. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's probably a lot like uh, venture capital or anything like that, or stock investing, where you have to go through due diligence of lots and lots of companies to find, you know, a company that you're willing to buy. And I would say I spent uh, probably, I don't know, two years looking and there was this company, there was one other company that I liked a lot, but it was a software company that had a, um, a government contract that had to renew every year. So there was a huge amount of risk. Like if that didn't renew, there was no company, even though it was very successful and was generating a lot of cash flow. So for this company, um, I happened to know the MSP space. So things lined up. Um, the other thing with this company is I happen to know about what's happening in Florida, which now probably everyone's aware of, which is the amount of people moving from the Northeast and other parts of the country. Mm. They're moving to uh, Tampa, they're moving to Sarasota, they're moving to Lakewood Ranch. Um, so there's a lot of, uh, there's, a, there's a good amount of tailwind that you're getting. Um, so you have that benefit and Florida, like in Tampa specifically, not that I'm in that market, but for example, Tampa specifically, they're trying to create kind of the next Austin, Texas. So they want to have the problem now with Florida is people who study, um, you know, to be developers or computer programmers or whatever they study, they get their degree and then they leave and they go to some other part of the country. So there's a lot of investment, um, especially in Tampa, of trying to keep companies here and have software companies here. Because if you look at the country, and I'm from Boston, I know you lived in Boston a little bit, it's very expensive to live. San Francisco, it's very hard to get housing. So the question is, where are all these other companies going to go? Florida obviously has a low cost of living, low tax. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to create kind of the next you know, Austin, Texas. And there's no reason why you can't. I mean, there's, there's kind of areas of tech popping up all over the country. And so Florida is probably a natural 
just because of the, you know, the lifestyle and cost of living, it, there's no reason why I can't do the same thing. Um, and it's starting to happen a lot in, uh, in Tampa. There's a couple companies that are emerging. So one of the other questions I have about, you know, again, purchasing a business and coming in, obviously that sometimes, you know, when a, when a business changes hands, it can be tumultuous for the, the, the folks who are currently working there. Um, was that process uh, smooth? If it wasn't, what, what did you have to do to kind of overcome that? It was anything but smooth. So sure. I'd say the, the challenge I had is I bought a business in a pandemic, which not a lot of people do. So the, just the process to close the deal was difficult. And then one of the challenges here was that um, people were, you know, the, the current people that were here when I bought the business were working remotely. So the team was not as gelled. And I think um, one of the things I believe in, which some people believe, some people don't, is I think when you're in the same office working with people, there's, you know, you build teamwork and things like that. And I think if you don't, and this is one of the challenges with the pandemic, I think, is when you don't have relationships with people before you go remote, it's much harder to develop those relationships as a remote organization. And so here I had to make a lot of changes because the team was not um, just what, you know, in some cases wasn't the right team. So when I, when I changed out uh, certain people for others and things like that, it was a very painful process, which I didn't anticipate, um, which I never would have known about. There's no due diligence that you can get on, on the people of, of a company you're acquiring. And especially with a small company, you need kind of a tight, tightly knit group. So we, um, it was a painful process. Um, we, you know, I, I think we've now gotten through it, but I had to, I had to do that. And then I also had to clean up some of the processes. Um, and this is true of any acquisition is once you, once a company is in kind of uh, selling mode, like a lot of the detail work that the company had done to be attractive to sell, like, you know, will fall apart. <laughs> and mm. so, so I had to, um, you know, I learned that the hard way in terms of little details that were falling through the cracks and things like that, which I never would have, you know, you never know until you're here and you hear complaints and this and that. So we had to, um, we had to do that. And then, in order for us to, uh, in order for us to grow, I felt like it was time to invest in some of the um, processes that we have here. So I invested in some consulting firm to come in and kind of fix some of the processes because it's kind of like, as they say, trying to fix the airplane while it's flying. So, you know, having some consulting coming in and fixing some of the things like billing and th you know little things. Um, I did some of that. And then also um, with every employee, I came in, I gave them a contract. I redid all their comp. Um, I gave bonuses. I gave, you know, I, and, you know, I still, uh, I still don't know what our culture is. If you ask me, like, I know the culture I want to have, but um, you know, as you're trying to build the culture, um, you know, you're trying to get people to buy in and stuff like that. So it's sometimes it's easier to get people who are new to buy into a culture than people who have, you know, been there and 
um, I've gotten, you know, I think I've, I wouldn't say I've gotten through it, but I'm, um, you know, I'm in better shape than I was. Sure. And so what, what do you think uh, are the next steps? I know you said you, your, your goal now is to grow, right? Is uh, you didn't just want to buy this and get some recurring revenue. You want to grow this business. So what's the plan now? Like what's, what's the future look like for you guys? How are you going to so innovate? Yeah. So it's interesting. Um, the, you know, one of the things with, uh, with marketing is you can't just like with investing, you can't, you can't only market when the market's good and not market when the market's bad. So you can't just suddenly start your process and say, okay, the economy's good. So, you know, we're in an economy where there's certain companies doing really well. So, you know, we have, we have some uh, construction companies, we have, you know, anything related to real estate, uh, anything related, a lot of wealth management, like they're doing really well. Mm. Anything related to travel, you know, is challenged anything. Um, so, so regardless, um, you have to basically say, okay, um, you know, I don't know when it's going to get better. I mean, now I think with the, with the vaccine and things like that, things are going to improve. There's going to be stimulus, but you're still, at least for me, the most challenging part is I don't know what normal is at this company because I didn't own it during a normal period. Mm. So in terms of sales, like I don't, I think there's a, in, in times where there's not a pandemic, there's probably a natural growth to this business that, you know, every, everyone's doing well, you know, people are changing and stuff like that. But during a pandemic, it's hard to say what normal is. And I think, you know, if you take out like Home Depot, Amazon, and some of the others that have had huge growth for the rest of the, for the rest of kind of the quote unquote normal companies, they don't know what, you know, they don't know what's realistic to grow in this environment. When is it going to turn? Things like that. So one of the things that I've done is we're doing a bunch of testing and marketing in terms of, does this work? Does that work? So I think one of the things that we tested, which has had strong um, results is this whole collaboration. And so that I think collaboration is something people really want to continue. And some of them have learned how to collaborate during the pandemic. And certainly we have, and so that's that has strong messaging in the market. So that's one of the messages that we're keeping. Um, you know, s- security always has strong messaging, but I think people become almost numb to security sometimes because scaring people into buying software doesn't always work. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but I would say it's still um, the basics of uh, prior to the pandemic, I think through search, we, we would get leads. But now with the pandemic, we want I want to really build the funnel. So the question is, you know, what are the companies I'm going to target? How do I message those companies? So really going through the basics of marketing, of lead generation, of, um, you know, fostering those leads and things like that. I mean, the things that you, that a lot of uh, a lot of times that you'd use for sales, like going to a chamber of commerce or going to a dinner or a networking event or whatever, you can't do any of those things. Mm. And so the question is what, you know, so it forces you to do a lot more with email and search and things like that and see how that, you know, and test certain things, which is what we're doing. Um, and then, you know, and then we'll see when all that other stuff comes back. Um, and so far, 
we know certain messaging works in this environment, certain, certain messaging, you know, doesn't work. And so, um, so we're continually testing different, you know, different things. And then I think that um, people still want to be social, like even in business. So, um, you know, people, there's creative meetings and things like that. So, um, so we're, we're kind of attending some of those things as well. Well, I, I, I want to thank you for coming on the show and sharing all of this information with us and especially sharing kind of the journey of kind of purchasing, purchasing a business thing that's going to be helpful for a lot of our listeners. But before we go, I want to give you a chance to tell folks where they can find you and find out more information uh, about your uh, services there. Sure. If you go to the website, Team Logic, and you go to Team Logic, you, or you just Google Team Logic Naples, you'll see our, our company and you'll, um, you'll see me and my background and you'll see the email and the phone number. Um, and basically, uh, depending on, you know, what company you have and what problems you have, if you have pain points, we basically, uh, we go through pain points every day with our existing customers and, and potential customers. And we love to talk to really anybody who's experiencing some kind of pain in terms of growing their organization and potentially offer them a, you know, a, a better way to get to where they want to go in leveraging technology. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks again for being on the show. Uh, we appreciate your time. Okay. Thank you. And we thank you for listening to another episode of What Makes Them Tip, Innovations That Changed Everything. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to our show, What Makes Them Tip, Innovations That Changed Everything. If you're an entrepreneurial leader and you'd like to share the inspiration that changed everything in your business or venture, please visit arcalea.com slash guest and a small request. If you've liked this interview, please help us out by sharing this episode with a friend or on social with the hashtag Arcalea. You can also help us out right now by providing a review in your podcast player and a thumbs up or rating review would help a ton. We promise to read every word and it helps us improve a little bit each day. And while you're at it, please also subscribe because every week you're going to be inspired and learn from other leaders in bite-sized increments. Again, my name is Mike Strada. Let's connect either on social or stay up to date on all things business at arcalea.com. Thanks again for listening and thank you for being part of the over 99% of America's firms that make up the entrepreneurial community. Until next time.